When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Mark Perry. I'm the writer of Dark Shadows Reincarnation, and you're listening to Vampires and Slayers. I'm Ed Gross, and this is Vampires and Slayers, the podcast where we explore the undead and those determined to return them to their graves in television, literature, film, and legend. And to discuss all of that and more, there is no better person to turn to than John Gordon Melton, universally heralded as one of the foremost experts on the subject of vampires. Interestingly, John has spent much of his career as a religious scholar, was the founding director of the Institute for the Study of American Religions, and is an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church. He's written more than 45 books, many of them looking at religions and cults from around the world. But in what seems like a strange dichotomy, he's also studied and written on the world of the undead. His definitive look at the Fanged Ones was captured in the Vampire Book, the Encyclopedia of the Undead which is being updated and reissued this October as the Vampire Almanac, The Complete History. In our discussion, he shares on his passion for the subject and engages in a conversation about the evolution of the vampire genre itself. You know, it's interesting in, in reading up on you that it's so it's such an interesting dichotomy here between, you know, all the religious studies you do. Oh, yeah. And yet this <laughs> focus on vampires. I'm sure I'm not the first person ever to say this to you. What is that? Because that's a to me that seems like a very strange or odd pairing of interests. You know what I mean? Like, well, uh, when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. I started out reading science fiction, uh, Arthur Clarke, Heinlein, that kind of thing. Okay. Then I found some books on horror, and this is right at the time that the the paperback revolution is taking place, right uh, in the fifties. And then I ran across my first vampire book. I said, this is really good. And, um, and the, then the Hammer movies started appearing. Right. And I was just uh, seduced by them, I guess you could say. I get that. And so I got into reading vampire books, going to vampire movies, and uh, loving every minute of it. Uh, all the while pursuing my academic career in religious studies uh, kind of uh, made my career writing encyclopedias and reference books and actually for more than 20 years worked for Gale Research um, in that line of work and um, it just kind of led into doing reference books on vampires and um, I was very fortunate to come along just as the um, both the vampire interest was growing and the vampire scholarly community was developing. So I, I was able to get in on kind of the ground floor there and help develop vampire and Dracula studies as we know them today. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's kind of nice to be on the foreground, isn't it? Of like oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Absolutely. It's... Um... 
it, it's fascinating how you get sucked into these things. I mean, as a kid, no joke, no pun intended. Uh, it was uh, uh, as a kid. I mean, I caught Dark Shadows in the Universal Dracula movie, and that was my thing. You know, in the '60s, that's what sucked me in. So I get it. I mean, it's just this this thing that pulls you in, and you cannot let it go. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was in high school when Dark Shadows was playing, mm -hmm. and I lived too far away to get home in time to see it. Right. So uh, most of the kids talk about how they rushed home from school, from school. <laughs> just in time to see Dark Shadows. I rushed home from school just in time to see the credits from Dark Shadows rolling. <laughs> and, but there was the summer, and then I was able to catch up on the summer reruns. Uh, back in the days when there was such a thing as summer reruns. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's hard, hard to remember that that was the way television worked then. But I got, I got into Dark Shadows at that time. And then uh, I was never able to go to any of the conventions. I was in Alabama and then in Chicago. Um, and finally, in 85, moved out to the West Coast and was able to, for the first time, go to one of the Dark Shadows conventions. And uh, I was very fortunate to go to the last one that Jonathan Frid was at. Oh, that's nice. And um, uh, was able to get an autographed picture. And uh, they they had a, a thing. They knew that this was kind of toward the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, and so they had a banquet uh, dinner with uh, Jonathan Frid. Oh, that's <laughs> very nice. Go to that. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah. In the 80s, I had this period where I was trying to research a Dark Shadows book. And I met him for an interview in his New York apartment. And I, for a period there, I was coming over to his apartment every Sunday to go oh. through his files. We were going out to, we were treating each other either breakfast or lunch each Sunday. It was just such an exciting i was 23 at the time so for me it was like thrilling to here i am with jonathan fridden we're having breakfast together <laughs> yes well and, uh, he had a had a booth at the uh at that convention and he was selling items from his library right and so i i was able to to get a couple that i could afford <laughs> and, Very, yeah i know stuff gets so and, expensive. Uh, get them autographed and all and, right. The character of Barnabas Collins seems to me to have been a turning point in the vampire genre in the sense oh, yeah. of the sympathetic vampire, uh, the the reincarnation of a lost love coming back in the form of Josette. In, in, yes. in the thing. I mean, is that accurate? Is that the really a turning point for the genre? It, it, it really is. The uh, what what happens in the uh, basically at the end of the 60s, Vampirella uh comes along vampirella is really the first uh sympathetic vampire but jonathan uh, uh collins is the next one and collins is uh barnabas is much more powerful than vampirella is simply because he's on television right and television much more powerful medium than black and white comic books yeah absolutely. and, and we we forget that vampirella really really was black and white comic books and the cover of the magazine yep. <laughs> and the cover was very important, but, um, uh, then, uh, Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough comes along right on the heels with the St. Germain character. And that's the origin of the sympathetic vampire, Vampirella, Barnabas Collins and St. Germain. And then, uh, uh, right in there, Anne Rice, uh, is in the middle of that, creating this conflicted vampire, the the vampire that um, um, 
is happy being a vampire, but is is happy being a vampire. Right. Um, and so uh, and Lewis is this conflicted uh, vampire who, who's, who's stuck there and can't get out and has no solution to the problem. So that those those all happen right about the same time. But very definitely, Barnabas is one of those the three original sympathetic vampires. And it's amazing how that period had such an impact. I mean, because prior to that, we had, you know, the Bela Lugosi's, the Christopher Lee's, and especially Christopher Lee, that was a monster. That wasn't, there was nothing sympathetic about Christopher Lee's Dracula. No. Uh, or Count Yorga or any of those guys, if I'm really scratching down there uh, for the independent ones. So it's, it's amazing. The impact. And the impact of, of, of um, Barnabas was heightened by Dan Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was writing under the name Marilyn uh, Ross. Uh, Dan is not Dan Curtis, uh, Dan Ross. Dan Ross, right. And, mm-hmm. and he wrote under the pseudonym of Mar- Marilyn Ross, but he did those 30 novels. Yeah. And he was turning them out every two weeks. It's crazy, right? He, he was, you know, you would think he was L. Ron Hubbard at the rate he could write. <laughs> and, uh, but he literally was turning out three novels every two months. And um, there for a couple of years, that was hot stuff. And they were obviously selling well because um, they, were, they, were, they kept publishing them. Yeah. No, absolutely. In fact, they, yeah. uh, there's a company called uh, Hermes Press that just started republishing, like, I think, trade paperback versions of those novels with the original covers. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah. I'll, so I'll, those, uh, I'll have to go get some of those. <laughs> those to the libraries, right? Yeah. <laughs> of those. I, w- I was surprised. I, I just had my Dark Shadows collection um, evaluated, and I was amazed at the prices on some of those oh, really? books that I picked up for a buck a piece and oh, yeah. now back in the day yep. you know there's <laughs> some of the the original cover the the dark shadows the first six that had two covers the original covers their prices had just zoomed off the scales are those the drawn yeah. covers without the photographs is that yes what you mean? yeah okay. yes absolutely but uh, do you do you have um for yourself do you have a preference for the sort of the monster monstrous vampire or that sort of barnabas angel nick knight robert cullen the slot i mean kind of vampire what's your sort of preference i like them both if they're well done yeah uh, i'm partial to the monsters vampire uh but i i certainly uh oh i i ate up true blood i thought true blood was just a, a tremendously well done series and um uh, I, I enjoyed Nick Knight. I remember when they they moved it from Canada to California, how disappointed I was. And then CBS screwed it up. And, and, yeah, because uh, they're running like late night or something, right? Well, uh, yeah, they were doing the at that late night thing, but it was it was the CBS production crew that the third season just wasn't up to what the first two seasons were. Right. They didn't understand really what was happening. Uh, the dynamics of of the relationships between the good and the bad vampires, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And um, I'm uh, uh, I was disappointed in that, but I loved Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough's sympathetic vampires. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I, I had this motto that the worst movie, the worst novel without a vampire, um, you know, was was worse than any novel with one. <laughs> and, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I I just kind of ate them up. I, yeah. All my leisure time was spent looking for new vampire novels. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the appeal i mean obviously when you look at uh the genre in terms of its its evolution over the decades it's always been there it's it it goes away you know it has its little ebbs and flows but it's been there almost with the exception of maybe the 50s for the most part uh it seems like the vampire thing was huge in every decade and your own love for it and i have my love for it mm -hmm. what is it though what is it about this myth that attracts you to it well, I, I think for the the younger of us, I, I, and I I got started in my late teens and, and early 20s, uh, I think it, it has to do with sex. Mm -hmm. uh, teenagers are always anxious about uh, their relationships to the uh, possible partners. And the vampire has this magnetic ability to draw people to them uh who become victims of course of, of their bite but uh at the same time there's this tremendous sexual magnetism that a vampire has and teenagers i think are drawn to vampires because they wish they had that right um, <laughs> I, agree. And I i think that's uh part of it as we go along uh and particularly as we enter into the kind of secular culture that we live in, uh, the vampire offers us a form of immortality. Uh, it's not immortality of the kind that talk about of, you know, living forever. Mm -hmm. It's an immortality that's, however, longer than our normal life. Um, I'm getting on up in my 80s now. And, you know, I would love to have 50 more years, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I you know, you. I'd be happy with five, but, uh, uh, the vampire order uh, offers a kind of, of, um, limited immortality, an extension of life, uh, which, uh, as secular beings, we almost are, uh, more believing of than, you know, that we're going to live forever. Right. And, and I, I, I think those are the, the kinds of things that uh, vampires do for us. Uh, the other thing is, as the vampire has gotten more popular, and once the, what the, the sympathetic vampire and the conflicted vampire offered just more possibilities, the vampire story had gotten very limited uh, because the vampire was just another monster. Right. And and uh, there would still be, you know, a few vampire stories around. But once you got the sympathetic vampire and the conflicted vampire, then the whole of literary genre were open to you. You could do all kinds of stories. And it just gave uh, a flowering to vampire literature. And that's why we got, you know, somewhere between five seven thousand vampire novels written wow is that a very limited time toward the end of the 19th, uh, 20th century right and it's kind of floated back down to a more normal pace now 
and we've we've dropped below we're getting you know two or three decent vampire movies every year now but um uh, boy at, at its height at the end of the 90s uh, we we were getting a new vampire movie every week literally it's still going in the sense of i've read in the last few weeks especially since i launched the vampires and slayers uh, website that it's um there's like 10 different tv shows now in development uh yes. regarding, featuring vampires and like where's the start suddenly coming from and netflix just had a huge one with a red sky or something or blood red sky yeah um it's just amazing to me that it's like well television television is where it's at for vampires right now um yeah. And I think it's because we've got a hundred channels yeah. and we got to fill them up for 24 hours. A hundred uh, is a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, I, re I remember when I was in Morocco, turning on Morocco television, they had 500 channels. Oh my God. <laughs> and literally 500 channels. That's crazy. And a uh, uh, hundred of them were nothing more than Muslims worship services <laughs> at uh, 24 hours a day. And, um, you need a vampire channel vtv <laughs> i i think one could survive almost yeah there's enough material i mean seriously in the last hundred years next year by the way you know is the centennial for nosferatu and oh, wow. so we're all already in the planning for for centennial events to celebrate that that's awesome um the uh but in that hundred years there have been over 2600 feature length vampire films from from nosferatu to today 2600 that's crazy I mean, how many I'll shows be, how many hours of television my lord oh it's yeah, yeah. and uh there's almost been as much created in japan as here uh in terms of of uh television uh, vampire television right I found 120 Hong Kong movies, wow. vampire movies, and um, it's just weird, um, the the era that we've lived in. When are you going to update the encyclopedia to include all these movies and everything? <laughs> uh, it will be out in six weeks. <laughs> really? <laughs> Literally, it's uh, October funny. the 11th is the new edition. It's going to have a slight name change. It's going to be called the Vampire Almanac. But, okay. Uh, oh, you mentioned that that was coming out. I didn't realize it was that book, though. An update. Yeah, this this will be what amounts to the fourth edition of uh, uh, my old vampire book encyclopedia. Right. And um, we've worked very, very hard. All oh, the publishers done have done a magnificent job of pictures uh okay. it's it's the most heavily uh illustrated edition of the of the encyclopedia we've done and pictures you've never seen before that's and, great um so that uh they went through and there are a few necessary pictures we repeated but but basically all new pictures i was amazed when i i saw the proofs who's the publisher uh sticking with uh vip uh, visible ink press okay. and um uh but i'm i'm just delighted that uh, we were able to do this vampires and slayers will be right back when we continue our conversation with john gordon melton author of this october's the vampire almanac the complete history at evernorth health services 
We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So what's the most recent entry in there in the sense of a movie or TV show? What do you bring us up to? Uh, 2020. We've okay. got... Uh, uh, some of the new movies. I just got uh, the new new version of Dracula. It's called um, Van, uh, Bram Stoker's Van Helsing. Uh, Dracula retold from Van Helsing's point of view. When did that come out? Or is it not out yet? It, it's it's just out. I literally got it three days ago. Wow. Okay. Uh, and uh, I had to do the entry off of the uh, uh, the trailer um for it but it's um we went through and and brought the movie list up um what we what this latest edition uh has done is featured uh pop culture in the 21st century okay so uh i realized that's most of my research had been done in the 70s and 80s and and I was getting stale rewriting that stuff. Oh, sure. So, so we went in, and there's this whole new set of authors. Uh, so we've we've done sketches of the of the new people who are writing vampire novels, mostly in series. Right. Of the current scholars, there's new scholars that have come on the scene. Um, John Edgar Browning, uh, for example, it's. Uh, uh, among the top scholars. Um, I was president of the Transylvanian Society of Dracula for a small while. Okay. Uh, the Transylvanian Society is now dispersed and been replaced by a new international scholarly group called the Children of the Night. And um, that has happened. Uh, there's whole new editions of Dracula that have been discovered since um, uh the earlier stuff so the new movies the new television shows etc that's what this this new edition of the, of the vampire almanac will feature now do you feature the um i i would think there's too many of them but the vampire romance genre uh, oh yes oh uh, that's in uh, there too okay that well that most of the authors who are writing uh series are in the vam- in the romance genre okay uh, from laurel hamilton uh oh my goodness uh trying to remember now kim harrison um there's a there's a bunch of them uh i i tell you like five years ago i got to go to the romance writers of america convention for the first time right that was a hoot 
Was it? Why? Why was so hootful of it about it? 5,000 women, 50 men. Okay. I mean, it, it's a huge conference of right. romance writers and um, the um, wannabes. Okay. Right. Um, the uh, and it's a it's developed as a professional convention. I mean, they they spend their time teaching people how to write romance novels, how to find the characters, and this kind of thing. But then all of the people who have written romance novels, particularly in series, were there. And it was just a delight to get to meet and talk with them. Yeah. And uh, I, I four, to, four of the most memorable days of my life. Um, one of the people I met was a woman named Cecilia Tan. Um, I had no idea what I was going to run into because she specializes in writing lesbian vampire novels. Oh, okay. That's different. And I, uh, went up to meet her she turned out to be one of the most delightful people spent 20 minutes talking and That's so I, I whipped out my book to get her to sign it and and she was uh delightfully surprised this was a her first book and i think there have been like 200 copies published oh one of those and, I guess. And, and so i whipped this kind. out and she said, yeah, it's been a decade since I've even seen a copy of this. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so it, great. it was delightful. And uh, I had a very, very good time. So this, this thing is not going anywhere, the genre. I mean, it just seems like it's just going to keep it's, on. It's going to hang on. There's a new generation has, have, has come along that are continuing it. Uh, there's uh, the Journal of Dracula Studies has continued. It's now in a <clears throat> um, college in uh, Ohio is publishing it. There's a new Journal of Vampire Studies coming out of Australia, first edition of which has just appeared. Okay. Uh, the popular culture has now created a subdivision of vampire studies, um, just like the fantasy convention uh, that has had the uh, Lord Riven Society for many years. And um, so, yeah, it's it's continuing on. When you look at the, the genre as a whole, is there a way to sort of describe how it's evolved over the years? I mean, has it, has it, do you feel there has been an evolution in vampire storytelling? And if so, how would you sort of describe that? Uh, it's it certainly evolved. It... Uh, in the 19th century, it was poetry and short stories and the stage. And, and then Dracula happens, and Dracula is a real watershed. Um, there are several vampire novels that are published the same year as Dracula. You've probably never heard of them. Uh, probably. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and one of the, the top um, British writer. Of the night of the late nineteenth century, wrote a vampire novel in uh, in ninety three, and it, it was published. Excuse me, in ninety seven, and uh, we've never heard of it because of Dracula. Right. Uh, Dracula. Uh, then, when it comes to the stage, and then when it comes to the movies, uh, that causes an evolution. And the evolution is what happens is when you bring Dracula to the stage, 
you've got to make Dracula nice enough to where he can enter a British drawing room. And so the story then evolves and the, the, the vampire, the old vampire in the village, that's the dead guy coming back to, to claim his family and friends as his first victim gets turned into somebody who's in a, a, a tux and is presentable in a, in a British stage. Uh, so that's the first thing that happened. Then they discover that Dracula is getting all of this fan mail. Bella Lugosi's become a star and he's getting all this fan mail and 90% of it's from women. And, um, so the vampire as mean and bad guy as he is, is, is a sex object. Um, then he becomes a comedic object and then he goes into color and, um, Christopher Lee reinvents this sexy vampire who, as you noted earlier, was a bad guy. Oh yeah. And, but, um, with Lee, you be, you hammers, every movie pushes some buttons on the censorship, uh, panel. And when he, the first time that he turns to the audience, he has this beautiful woman in his arms and shows his teeth which Bella Lugosi never did. Right. And, and sinks his teeth into her. Uh, that is a crucial moment in, in time. Uh, then the next thing that happens um, is I am legend, um, which makes vampires respectable in science fiction. Okay. Uh, and you're talking about the Matheson novel. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that, that's a, that's a key moment. And then the, the coming of the of the uh, the good guy vampire and the conflicted vampire, and those just sort of open things up to a generation. Um, and with uh, uh, oh, what's his name uh, that does the the good guy Dracula novel, vampire the vampire tape, uh, Dracula tape. Right. Oh, I can't. Uh, Harmon? No. No, 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 no. It starts with an S. I, 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 see, I'm having my senior moment. Don't worry now. about it. I'm having it too because I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about and I can't think of it either. Um, Saberhagen. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fred? Fred Saberhagen. Fred Saberhagen. Hey, hey, look and, at us together. <laughs> uh, the, the Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough and Saberhagen and Rice all write their first novels within a year and a half of each other or they're all published within a year and a half of each other. That really opens up the storytelling to just about everything. And you, you start getting a growing number of vampire novels each year for the, for the generation. And then, then the, the final, the thing that ends this, the century is Buffy. Um, Buffy has become the single television show that has gotten the most comment of any show, not just any vampire show, but any show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Buffy and then Star Trek <laughs> and then it, uh, the X-Files and then everything else. Right. 
and um, and Buffy is way out ahead of uh, Star Trek and X Files in terms of scholarly comment. There's still a biannual Buffy scholarly conference. 150, 200 scholars get every two years for uh, to talk about Buffy. Wow. Okay. I mean, and, obviously, uh, Star Trek has the conventions and stuff, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You, uh, there are some Buffy conventions that are still happening in LA. Right. But uh, in terms of, of scholarly gatherings, um, it, it's just an amazing thing and then twilight comes along and um twilight and Anne rice uh, vampire chronicles are the only two multi-volume vampire sets that are in the 50 all-time best sales for a novel series wow um so you take the 50 best-selling novel series rice and twilight are in there near the top that's amazing and uh and that's all time sales uh so that that's that's quite an accomplishment i still am opposed to sparkling vampires but that's me <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i tell people i think you, you would agree with this that twilight is one of the greatest novels that was ever written if you're a 13 year old girl yes <laughs> yeah. i'll give and, you that the uh, I, I lumbered my way through them. I read all four of them, uh, uh, actually all five of them. Uh, and then um, I, I remember that was a painful thing. I remember getting <laughs> to the last volume and I, I'm about a third of the way through the novel. And then I wake up and I said, they just had sex, didn't they? <laughs> you know, and you got through that moment. And hardly realizing uh, how it was told and how quickly uh, you got through it. That was anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that that they actually made more of it in the movie, in the last of the movies, but than they right. did in the book. But yeah. um, I, I say, yeah, well, that's the way you do it if you're 13 years old. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just get them through it and uh, and go on about it uh that was that was a fun thing yeah you know is do you envision sort of where it's headed i mean obviously it's hard to say because people are going to come up with their own twists and things but in your mind is it heading in a certain way the genre uh it's hard to say at this point what what's basically happened is the boom of the that peaked in the around the turn of the century has gradually faded out and I think what, what we're going to see now is that there will be a modest number of uh, vampire novels and vampire movies, and they will continue forever. Um, uh, telev as we said earlier, television will be the place for at least the next decade where uh, the genre shines. But I think it, it will be with us for the long haul, and there will be uh, new stories evolving. Uh, I'm always amazed uh, in, in my early years, I kept saying, they've exhausted the genre right. and, and there can't be that many more stories left, uh, <laughs> you know, these thousands of books, but people keep coming up with new story twists and uh, new 
new places to put the vampire and exploring the vampire's potential. Uh, I'm, I'm just sit back and enjoy it now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard to predict. Yeah, I, I thought it might be, but I figured I'd ask. Hey, if anybody's going to yep. know, it's you. So, <laughs> well, I I remember in the early '90s that there was uh, an article in um, Publishers Weekly, uh, the, uh, the professional magazine for publishing houses, that said the, the vampire is dead. Um, and for a year or so, there was almost nothing coming from New York. The vampire novels shifted to uh, Chicago and the West Coast, but they still kept, kept coming out at the same rate. Right. Uh, and then um, by, well, by the time of the centennial in 97, uh, the Dracula centennial, they had come back, and then once Buffy was a hit, uh, it was quite obvious that uh, things were just getting going. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The, the funny thing is, in 1976, Paramount was looking at making a Star Trek movie that Philip Kaufman was going to direct, yep. and they canceled it. And the, re and the reason that they canceled, the memo that came out to Phil Kaufman and the others was, we're not doing the Star Trek movie. We see no future in science fiction. <laughs> next year star wars came out and there you go so, yes you know just that, that kind of foresight is just amazing right it's like yeah. oh yeah it's over nobody cares yeah right yeah. um you know for you five vampires uh that, that of through books movies whatever it may be what are your top five vampires and why who that's 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 a hard one is it um well, it it is. Uh, there there are so many of the of the good ones uh, that are out there. Uh, I I think the list would have to be topped with Buffy and Angel okay. for me. Um, Blade uh, would certainly be there. Uh, I'm, I think Dracula is is in his own kind of category and uh, yeah. uh, not to be. Uh, put up with with the rest of them. Uh, I think uh, well, Bill Compton and uh, and Eric, um, uh, the the True Blood people. Uh, I, I think we have to go with them and and, and with uh, with Pam, uh, Pam and and Eric just makes such a, <laughs> such a great pair. Uh, I, I would uh, would certainly put them up there. Uh, where do we go from there? I was always disappointed that Saint Germain never got got into the movies. I, I think that that he would have been a been a great great character yeah. to do it. So I think those would be would it would it would be my favorites. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do you like the concept of Slayers like Colshack, Buffy, of course? Remember Darren McGavin is Cole Shack, yeah. the Night Stalker. Do you like those kinds of characters, or is it really more the vampire? I, I do. Um, I, uh, I I like the 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 characters that come. I was a great fan of Willow and uh, mm -hmm. the the Buffy uh, uh, novels, and um, but I, I do like the the vampire slayers and. Uh, uh, I was always uh, uh, a great fan of, 
of uh, Kolchak. Yeah, uh, I, I liked uh, I liked Darren and everything he did. Just about was he wonderful? Yeah, he really was. Yeah, I, even though old Spiky, Mickey Spillane movies that he made, right. I, I thought he was great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like those those uh, the, the Slayers, yeah. and they they can they they've been another thing that have have made the the genre move ahead is pulling the slayers out and uh uh part of it has been creating these characters um in community as well so that you get as in the original novel it's a cadre of slayers who who develop around van helsing and so where you have uh, the community and rice creating the vampire theater uh, where you have this group of vampires and they are having to learn how to deal with each other and with their egos. Um, that's a, that to me is a, a good part of it. But I, I like it when the Slayers have a community around them that assists them and that that community is given credit. For much more on Vampires and Slayers, please check out vampiresandslayers.net. If superheroes are your thing, I also host the Voices from Krypton podcast, and I take on classic television with TV retrovision. Please subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about us, and give us a five-star review. 